Tonight, we're, 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 there's like two lessons left in this trying to generate or uh, come to over, overcome apathy. And the, the apathy that overtakes us sometimes of just, uh, um, yeah, um, yeah. that's the best way I know how to come. This feels like Elise's word. You say that a lot, meh, that's it. Just, you look like a meh kind of speaker. A, a, a person who just nothing really nothing really moves and I'm not motivated by anything. I'm just kind of lethargic. And spiritually, a lot of us like this. Even you Sunday night crowd people say, well, that's obviously not us. Well, even we can have this. Uh, and so I've been, we're talking about how to treat it over the last few weeks. Got another lesson or two about that. Uh, and there's this principle I want to talk about tonight that is very true, but it's counterintuitive to us. It's very clear in Scripture all the way through, Old Testament, New Testament. Church has been preaching this for years, uh, but the world, uh, the world gives a, a totally different side of this thing, and it makes us question whether this is really uh, all that effective or not. Uh, the most obvious secret of the Christian life, it seems to me, if we really read the, the, the text well, this truth is hidden in plain sight, and those who discover it delight in it and they've discovered it they know it's true for them and even if they try to tell others about it they're not convinced even though they're passionate about it we've we're trained as americans as people who have rights and we value our privacy we are trained to protect ourselves and our stuff at all cost we store it we lock it up have you noticed how many storage facilities are being built all the time? We have to pay to store our stuff. And I got to thinking about that the other day. You have a certain amount of stuff and you put it in storage. How long before the what you pay for the storage is worth more than what you're storing? How long will that be? That's crazy, right? But that's what we do. We got to store it and we got to protect it and we got to insure it and safeguard it. And when we actually do what God tells us to do with some of it, we realize how right he was, but only when you try it. Because it doesn't make sense to our American brains. But we've heard this all our lives, so I'm going to give you a test on this next screen. All right, first one. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, what do you know about this statement? I mean, this has been said for... Jesus spoke it, but this is the weird thing. If, you're, if you've got a Bible, it's red letter... It's the only red letters in the book that it appears in. Does anybody know where this statement appears in the New Testament? The book of Acts. Now, is Jesus alive anywhere in the book of Acts? No, he's not anywhere on earth alive, right? So how can there be red letters in the book of Acts? Because this is something no one present with Jesus heard him, but it's being reported after he's gone. And so they put it in red letters, at least in some versions. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe this is true? I mean, we're all going to say Jesus said it, so you better believe it's true. But do we really believe it's true? Next line. God loves a cheerful giver. You know that line. It was just read a moment ago. Jack's a great job with the scripture reading tonight. Clear, crystal, well done. And they did say amen. At least three of them did. He also told his disciples in between here, anyone who gives anything in my name will receive a reward. And he also says, whatever that you have to give up, 
for me, you will receive many times more back. You remember this? It's what Jesus modeled. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, that you might become rich. That's the model. That's the centerpiece of our gospel. And then Paul takes over and he says this one. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So if you want to reap bountifully, you need to give bountifully. And that's, that was read just a moment ago too. The same 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the giving chapter, right? And secular research. Let me just go secular on you on Sunday night. Sunday night secular section of the sermon. Sunday night secular section of the sermon. Say that real fast. That's a good. Uh, income increases as giving increases. For every dollar donated, your income increases by $4.35. This is secular research. Giving multiplies wealth, and a lack of giving reduces potential wealth. This is individually and also nationally. Generosity transforms the giver. In the act of giving towards someone else, it changes you. Yeah, it enriches the other person a little more, but it changes you. Generosity increases a sense of meaning because it orients our lives around something bigger than us. We're willing to give towards something we find as larger than ourselves. People who are generous are more likely to report themselves as happy than non-generous people. That's true of time and money. Volunteering uh, and causes significant improvements in mental health. Maybe because suddenly there's a purpose guiding them beyond themselves. And because of that, apathy is driven away as purpose takes its place. So generosity, by its very nature, will drive out and alleviate apathy. Because apathy cannot stand in an environment where there's real meaning and real significance. So that's interesting. This works both ways. If you have faith, it will motivate you to be generous. If you have generosity, it will fuel your faithfulness. That's Matthew chapter 6. Um, a passionate, fervent faith motivates a person to be generous. That's what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6, when he says, where your money goes, there where your, your, your heart will be also. It's like you can, you can almost... You can almost train your heart this way. And then Luke 16 is another one this way too. Um, go ahead and yeah. Being generous will cause a person to be passionate and alleviate their, their apathy. It'll turn your attention away from yourself and your, and your insecurity. So God gives grace to the generous, right? The, the more you're generous, the more grace you receive. Okay. Love put in action. Now here's your assignment. All right. If you want to, if we're going to take this seriously, if you're going to really believe all that th those lines that we said from Scripture, there's some ways to do it. Number one would be this: give away time to things that matter. Give away time to things that matter. Time. Okay, we often talk about money, our greatest resource. That's not true. Time is so finite, and when it's gone, it's gone. And the way you train yourself as you get your schedule out and you show your calendar and what are you going to actually do this indicates your value what are you willing to give time for 
if people were to be asked, what is the greatest reluctance you have uh, toward the Christian faith? Is it going to be because Christian faith costs me money or because it, because it costs me time? It'd be, a, it'd be a big debate for them, maybe. Both are expensive. But we're told, do not become weary in doing good because at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. That's Galatians chapter 6. So you serve people and you reorient your life to something that matters. So where your time is, there's your treasure. And so you give your time to these things. Here's the 12th step of AA. It's the weirdest step. I don't know who came up with this. Well, I do know his name. It's, it's, it, his name's Bill Wilson, but he comes up with this idea. The only way, uh, this 12th step, the only way you will keep the improvements of the 11 steps that you've done already and improving your life and overcoming this addiction is to go out there and look for more addicts and share it with them. If you are not out there sharing your life and your experience with another addict, and hoping to get them to join these steps too and save their life, you will go back into that addiction and you will lose yourself. The 12th step is this. You've got to start giving your time to others to help them to overcome this. This is crazy. So what if we said to church people, the only way you can really maintain your victory over sin in the long run is to make sure you go out there and try to share with other sinners the solution and help save them, or you will go back into it. Isn't that a weird thing? Isn't that a weird thing? Give away time to things that matter. Here's the thing, you won't know that this works until you actually do it. So, um, you have to schedule it. I'm going to take some time, and I'm going to go spend some time at a nursing home visiting people whether they're members here or not i'm just gonna go visit some people invest some time in the lives of someone else i wonder if you do that it pays off you think it does you don't know until you try it give away your attention Instead of just passing by people, you're at church with people you see all the time. You say, hey, how you doing, all that stuff, and that's all you do. But you don't spend a lot of time here. We don't spend a lot of time with any particular people. But what if you decided, I'm, I'm going to actually invest some time and attention with some people. I'm going to put down my phone. I'm going to actually listen to their story. And not only listen to the story, but I'm going to follow up on the story. I'm going to actually look them eye to eye and listen carefully. And then I'm going to ask them later about this. Your attention is precious. I've even noticed this in marriage. It's one thing to listen and hear. It's another thing. Put the cell phone down. Sit across from the person eye to eye and have a conversation. Not while watching a show, but just the attention you're giving. Give away money. Chief competitor of God's place on the throne. There's so many ways you can do this. Let's say you combine it with fasting. I put that on here. You fast, and instead of uh, taking a friend out to lunch, instead you take that money that you normally do and, and donate it to something, and you fast. I, I, who's, who, and I can see every one of you saying, well, I'm going to get rid of that one. I don't know why you even said that. I understand that. Taking that time to focus on God a while and also bless other people. Be generous in giving and the offering. Now here's a... 
Here's an interesting, I heard a sermon the other day, and I'll bet you Kelly Phipps has heard this too because we have some favorite speakers that we hear all the time. And he, this guy was talking about living generous life, right? And we often think we are really generous when a cause comes up and I give some money to it and it seems like I'm being generous. He says, that's not generosity. That's not being generous. You're giving to something. Being generous is an ongoing thing. This is why I think it's interesting what God tells us. He says, I want you to you come together every week, and I want you to figure out every week how to give into the offering what should be given. This is a, not just when the building fund is needed, not just when somebody needs something, not just when a, a, a thing comes up and we talk about it, and we need to give toward it, and there's a big drive, and we give big money, and all that. Regular percentage of your income that you consistently give no matter what. That's how you drive back the love of money. That's real generosity, right? And not just in the offering. To kingdom causes. This is where I fit one of the weirdest stories in all of Scripture, and it's one of my favorites, but it's so, so very peculiar, where this guy is a, is a steward of his master's money, and he's fired. But he's given a couple weeks to get things in order. When you are a money owner and you have somebody managing your money and you fire them, you don't need to let them have access to your money anymore after that. It makes no sense, right? Next screen, I think I put these words up here. I hope. Is that right? If not, I'm going to have to. Okay. So here's what he did. He called in the people who owed the master money. And he said, you owe this much, $10,000. Now mark it down. We're going to say it's only $6,500. Now, he didn't steal any money, but he was very dishonest with his master's money. But it didn't benefit him directly. He didn't steal it. It didn't come to him. It goes to somebody else. He does something with the master's money that he has some influence over, and it benefits somebody else over here. And later on, later on after he's fired, he's going to come around to this guy that he did the favor for, and he's going to start receiving indirectly some benefits from it. But he doesn't steal it. You can't trace it back to him. It's a weird story. And he does this with two or three people. And then when it's over, Jesus sits back and he says, you know, this weird parable, I'm telling you, it's just one of those parables you're just like, a real head scratcher. And here's what Jesus says. The master commended the dishonest you get this? Jesus commends the dishonest master. Now, this shouldn't be done. The guy did some dishonest thing. Yep, and Jesus says he's dishonest, but he commended him for something because he acted shrewdly. He goes on, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. So I tell you, Jesus says, this is no longer the parable, this is the application. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain by friends for yourselves. So that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. What? Does that make sense to anybody? Wealth is worldly. It's of this world, right? You're not taking this money with you, right? Anybody planning on it? I've got bad news for you. This is a, 
completely this worldly thing. All your money is a just this worldly thing. It is nothing in the next world. You don't take it with you. you can't, if you could, it wouldn't make any difference. It becomes pavement or wallpaper, right? So he says, use it though. While you're in this life, use it to do what? To gain friends. To gain friends. Use it to benefit someone else. Not you. Benefit someone else. So that when it's gone, this is when you're dead, so that when you're out of here, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwell. In other words, when you get to heaven, you'll get the payoff. Not now. Oh, now, what in the world does that mean? It means that you need to say, okay, I'm going to act shrewdly. I'm going I'm to make sure I'm by my way to heaven. That's what he's saying. Buy your way to heaven. I want you to use that money to benefit somebody else. They give praise to God, and you go to heaven, and God blesses you, and, and, and all the payoff comes to you then. That's how you do it. We need to be shrewd with money. Instead of spending it, invest it in our eternity and the way you do that is by gaining friends for yourselves with the worldly wealth. Find ways to benefit other people. Set your heart in heaven and use your money to better get you there, to benefit you for that time. And it kills apathy. It kills apathy. The only way to do that is to put your money where your heart should be, even if it's not right now. Last one would be this. Give away prayer time. Use that prayer time shrewdly every day. A lot of times we will spend time in prayer over things that concern us, the, I mean, as far as us directly, but what if we were generous in giving away prayer time on behalf of others? I sometimes do this in a text. The other day, somebody was, can't remember, wasn't even in this congregation, they were going through something difficult. I said, man, I'm really, really praying for you. And it, I won't say that. If I forget to pray for you, I won't send you a text because I feel guilty about lying, right? I can't, if I just forgot. And sometimes I do forget. Although I write it down, I've got it written on my phone in this, this little app thing to make me not forget. But there was this one, I was really concerned about him, and things turned out fine for him. And I said, I sent a text to him, and I said, you're welcome very much. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, it turned out fine, and that was my prayer, brother. I did that. That was me. Now, that's a little arrogant, okay? And God could have struck me dead right then. But can, it, can I tell you, I, I do feel a sense of ownership in your stuff when it comes to prayer time. Sandra Lamberson is not going through this by herself. I will not allow that. Will not. And I'm going to put some skin in the game. I'm going to put some time in the game. I'm going to put some prayer time. I'm going to give up some. I'm going to give up some because she deserves to have some help in this thing. And there are others I feel this way. I, I'm, I, I may be overstating it because God's the one doing it. I, I don't, I don't I, listen, I'm not all confused about it. God is the one doing it. I give God the glory for that. But guys, I like to feel like I've put some effort into this. I, I like to feel like it's partly investing myself in this, in this prayer. And, and when you start feeling ownership like that, prayer becomes a whole lot more real to you. 
It becomes like, man, this is something I'm doing. I'm not, don't say to me, well, all I can do is pray. Are you kidding me? If I know that you've spent five minutes of your day or just a few minutes of each day, of three or four days a week, and you've been thinking about me and praying to God about me, man, don't tell me that all I did was pray. I think that's big. I think that's big, right? I think it's, and, and, and it takes time. It takes time. And listen, a church this big, I enumerated for you just some of the things happening right in the, con- just this, and you know people outside of this church and all over, so it's more than that, but just take Valley View people. You can spend some time on your knees and before God just with Valley View stuff, can't you? And what an honor. And then when I follow up, I really want to know how this ends up. Not because it's going to t- determine whether I think prayer works or not. It's not about that. It's I want to know, God, that when we wrestled, and that's what, Peter, that's what Paul calls it, right? Wrestling in prayer. When I wrestled, it did something. So there is generosity in your prayer. When you take the time in your prayer to wrestle for someone else, You ever been excited at Christmas time, not because of a gift you, you were giving, but because of a gift, not a gift that you were getting, but a gift you were giving? Maybe you made it from scratch. Maybe you made this homemade thing, and you thought of that person, and you thought of their character. They're going to love this, and you put it together. Maybe you sewed something, or maybe, I don't know, made a scrapbook or something, or, 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 or whatever. Or maybe you found something that, oh, man, you can't find that anywhere, and you just can't wait. You, you, you get gifts, too, and you like them, and you pre- but what you're really waiting on, what you're chomping at the bit for, is to see them open that thing. It creative, and it was perfect. You enjoyed it all, but that, that was the moment. You know what happens when you send cards on Monday? People don't get them till about three weeks later. Okay, that's exaggeration, but you don't even know when they get them anymore. But something you do on Monday lands in somebody's life about Thursday or Friday it lights up, their, lights up some stuff in their brain, and a lot of times they'll send you a text or something, say, man, that happened at the right time, and you just go, feels good. Now, that's not why you did it. Man, it feels good. And then when you slipped in a $20 bill, and you know it landed in, it landed in that right spot. Whether, whether and sometimes it's they don't even know who it's from if you do it right or whatever. Or, or it doesn't matter whether they know. It. I don't care whether they know it or not. You, you know that, that, that it landed. You about this time, or you you figured out a way to get it to them some way, and it just blessed their life. And you know they had a better day because of that. And you just go, that that was some good, well invested time, right? You might hear their appreciation, you might not. You might see their gratitude, you might not. But you know deep inside, you contributed to the betterment of somebody else. And you suddenly realize this is why we're here. And suddenly, apathy goes away. And that sense of purpose that sense of meaning and significance in the lives of other people gets built up in you, and you're like, that's what Jesus meant. It's more blessed to give than to do. He was right. 
and Edward Jones and Schwab aren't. Not totally. Don't hang on to everything and guard and protect everything. No, no, no. no. Jesus says the more you give up, the more you get. I, I'm sure there's a point at which, you know, it begins detrimental, but I don't... I know, I'm not sure who gains more, you or them, but one of the benefits is that you get this revival out of apathy. And when you go long stretches of time where all you think about is you and your stuff and doing nothing for others, but you're all just focused, oh, this is bad, and this is bad, and this is bad, and suddenly you just decide, I'm going to take Jesus at his word, and I'm going to get up out of my brain and out of my junk and I'm going to go to a nursing home and invest 15 or 20 minutes into blessing someone else's life and suddenly apathy goes away. It's amazing to lose the lethargy because you found purpose. And that's why it's important to practice generosity. It's an apathy killer. And if we can learn not to practice it just when a certain need arises and has come to our attention, but we can practice it on a regular basis, apathy will leave us on a regular basis and disappear from our lives. So how do you get rid of apathy? You give it away. You give it away. So I'm challenging you this week. Discover your purpose. Discover the value of out of your head, out of your life, into another life, and drive apathy away. Try it. I think you'll like it. And I think you'll say, hmm, Jesus was right. Who knew? Right? If there's anyone who needs to respond this evening, we stand ready as a church to receive you for any spiritual need that you have as we stand and as we sing together.